Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio. Well, deep tech entrepreneur Barry Lunn is searching for the iPhone moment for the motor industry, and with his new company, Previsio, he aims to drastically reduce road deaths through its motor accident prevention technology. Barry, your approach to solving difficult technology problems is as much artistic as it is actual physics. But how did you develop that particular approach? Yeah, I suppose I, I probably always had an interest in, in making things, or my mother would say in breaking things, and I would have taken everything apart from a very young age. And I suppose I would have had that, that type of brain, I guess, that dyslexic mindset, where I like to know about systems and how they worked and, and that side of things. So I guess that, that, that brought me down to kind of the art college line and then eventually into, you know, into building websites and front ends and that, and, and eventually into hardware because, you know, I always wanted to get closer to how things work and just started building uh, some of the most bizarre products over the years and, and got really heavily into high-frequency electronics and what they could do and uh, how, they could, how they could save us from ourselves. Now, this isn't your first rodeo because back in 2014, you set up a company called Aralis. What was your early vision for that company? Yeah, so Aralis came from, I suppose I'd worked in the high-frequency space for about 10 years at that time. We had identified that that was about to become commercial and, and for two reasons mainly. Uh, one was communications. We humans are very data-hungry. Um, so comms was going to have to move up there because there was lots of bandwidth up there and that's essentially why you move up in frequency uh, because there's there's almost more roads as the, as the man says. And the other was we were looking at autonomy coming over the horizon um, and autonomous vehicles and this, this uh, approach. And we knew that they would eventually have to have that type of technology as well. So it wouldn't be the remit of the military. It would have to become commercial. And that's why we set up Aralis. Really, Aralis was about commercialising that space. And Barry, how did you go about developing that particular business? Very traditionally. We knew there was an opportunity within it. I suppose we had, you know, again, having worked in it, it makes it that little bit easier. We had places we could go and get business straight away. Uh, we went out, we raised a seed round from venture capitalists. Um, Enterprise Ireland backed us, which was brilliant at the time. And and off we went and, and produced our first products and tried to sell our wares. We were, we were lucky. The EI team uh, really drove early engagement with the European Space Agency. And probably, you know, within our first year, we had our first contract from the European Space Agency for our own product built from the ground up. And sure, look, that's incredible because that meant then you had that bit of credibility. So very quickly then in our, our kind of second year, we started pulling in blue chip clients like Boeing and Airbus and NASA and all that. You know, you know, some of the most impressive kind of companies you could be selling to. And Barry, it's been widely reported that you went on to sell that company three years ago to an undisclosed private equity firm in Hong Kong for $50 million. How did that deal come about? Now, I, I didn't say we sold it for that. Other, other people are surmising that we, we sold it for that. Do you Never. want to take this opportunity to put the record straight this morning? Not at all. Not at all, Carl. <laughs> I, leave, I leave that to you to imagine. You know what I mean? Uh, no, so look, you know, we did, we did very well and our investors did very well and that was very important to me too, you know. Um, and, and it was a good exit. I mean, it, it really came about, we were off raising our Series A 
I moved to Los Angeles, our business had very much moved into that direction. Um, and we, 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 we had this private equity group in, in, in Hong Kong who had an interest in the company, were interested in investing. We had, we had a focus more on U.S. money. And look, the opportunity came along to sell the business, and so we sold it, and that, and that was it. You know? but, and I suppose it was very attractive because they wanted us to continue to build the company. And look, Aralis still continues to run as Aralis. It wasn't going to be just acquired by some company to go and do something else. It, um, and it, it continues to thrive and all that. So it was, it was very attractive. It was a kind of a win-win situation. came very early, probably earlier than we would have you know, anticipated. But your look, any time you get to sell a company on its third anniversary is, is a good day, I suppose. That's for sure. Now, you decided to stay at that company for about 18 months after, but you got the itch again to go off and do something else. What is Provisio and what revolutionary impact is the company hoping to bring about? Yeah, so so Provisio, we're building accident prevention technology, right? And 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 the revolution we're trying to do, we're trying to save us from ourselves, right? So over ninety percent, ninety four percent of accidents are caused by human error, right? We're the problem, and you know we've had years and years of you know policies and this type of thing, governments trying to say you know we'll try and make people better drivers, and look, the the evidence we've twenty years of evidence now, very clear data collected that road deaths. Uh, maimings by cars haven't changed. It's still it's a, a median number of 1.2 million people killed by road accidents every year and another 50 million maimed. And on top of that, you've got the cost element. I mean, it, it, in Ireland, it's 2% of our GDP is on road accidents. It's, it, it's nuts. And when you extrapolate that worldwide, you know, you're mul- moving into multi-trillion of an industry almost that is around car accidents. So, so to me, that, that was a big problem. I suppose it, it, it married my thing of I like to have a mission. I like to be, you know, on, on a mission to solve something. And I mean, what better mission could you have than saying, right, let's try and save 1.35 million people from killing themselves next year and on the road. And then there was a huge technological problem to be solved. So it always comes down to the reason there's crashes. It always comes down to vision and foresight. You couldn't see it or you didn't predict it was going to happen. And then all the other stuff just exacerbates it. So we've an awful lot of talk about drink driving and speeding and all and inclement weather. They're just adding to that. But it always comes down to vision and foresight. So we started looking at, well, what would the ultimate vision and foresight look like? and work back from there. So rather than thinking about autonomy, which is so far off in the horizon, that there's a here and now problem, let's solve that. And that, that's really where Provisio came from. And I'm just thinking there, Barry, look at what has been done over the past 30 years to try and improve road safety. Everything from ABS braking to adaptive cruise control to collision avoidance systems to improving the road network to creating awareness campaigns to the Road Safety Authority, to introducing NCTs, and of course, most recently, mandatory driving lessons for provisional licence holders, and all of them combined have still not solved the problem. Absolutely not. No, has zero, zero impact on road deaths, which is the scary thing. Um, and but look, there's lots of reasons for that. They've, they've, maybe, they've maybe kept us at the median uh, and, and not had it go, you know, to, to, to crazy levels. But... The reality is they were all kind of dropped in the ocean. And if you think about it, we're the problem. Human beings are the problem. We cause over 90% of the accidents. 
So how are we going to be the solution? And, and, and maybe that's just me coming from a technology background, but like you'd never look to the problem to find the solution. You would say, let's introduce something here that could solve it. And that's really where an awful lot of, you know, the, the um, authorities getting involved, that's where they've gone. They've gone with, let's try and make everyone drive better. Human nature, human nature. What happens is we get better for a while, and you know, you know, we, and very similar to coronavirus. You know, we get better for a while, and here we are in another lockdown. You know, and that—that's the reality of it. Um, is human nature? You cannot depend on human nature. So then, technology. Technology is always taking the approach of we're going to crash. Let's just make it less worse. So that's why there was an awful lot of money spent on seatbelts making better cages, all that stuff. Sure, that's, that's basically accepting we're going to crash, whereas we're, we're not accepting that. We're saying there are reasons we crash. You know, 30% of those accidents are rear endings. So it's stuff you didn't see ahead of you or see it on time and make, you know, uh, the, the right adjustments. So we said, let's look at that and try and solve that. And Barry, is it true to say that most of the car manufacturers have flipped their investment from safety to autonomy over the past 10 years? Yeah, that'd, that'd be very, very true. I mean, it, it, you know, it's very clear by the fact, I mean, 80 billion has been invested in the last five years in the autonomous industry. And again, you know, what, what have we from that? We have very, very little. We're not, not in, in, from a technical point of view. And the reason is we're sharing the roads, right? So there was this uh, assumption, which is, you know, it, it's very easy when you look at it on paper to kind of go, right, we can solve this. We can make that car drive better without a human um, on, uh, you know, on paper. And sure, that's what we were all hearing. It was going to be by 2019 and then it was going to be 2020. The reality is everyone in the industry now knows that it's probably 10 to 20 years off before we'll have any sort of autonomy on the roads. And then there's all that interim period where we have to share the roads. So we still have this problem. And when autonomy comes along, this technology we're developing will be great for that. It'll be perfect for that. But in the interim, let's solve the pandemic. Let's solve the road death pandemic. And that's what it is. And Barry, do you really believe that autonomous vehicles are still up to 20 years away? Yeah, I mean, I'd be very much evidence-based person, you know, and the evidence is that that is what we're facing. It will be it will be 20 plus years before we have an autonomous future. That's the reality. And, and to be fair, that's not just me saying it. I'm talking to big automotive uh, manufacturers every day, the tier one suppliers to them and the autonomous groups. And look, two of the co-founders of, of Provisio come from that famed Carnegie Mellon Robotics Group, where all of the modern autonomy efforts have come from, be it, you know, um, Google, Argo, Aurora, they all come from that. And they would all, we would all share that same opinion. And it's because it's, a very, it's the most complex uh, AI problem that the, the world has ever sought to solve. So it's going to take time. And Barry, as you say, vision and predictability are the two big challenges facing drivers today. So how is Provisio solving that problem? Yeah, so, so really, I mean, you need to see about 10 times as far as we can currently see. And, you, you know, current systems can see, we'll say, emergency braking systems. And then you need to see them in a much more high fidelity environment, a 3D environment. And then the next part is you need, you need to know the velocity, the, the movement of everything in that environment, right? So basically, uh, you need beyond line of sight, right? So if, if you are driving along in your vehicle and the car in front of you emergency brakes, reality is you're going to hit him and the fellow behind you is going to hit you. What we're doing is 
we're seeing the car five cars ahead of you. We're seeing him emergency brake and then taking prescriptive action for you. We're slowing you down in a manner that the guy behind you doesn't hit you because you can have all the technology in the world, but you're only as safe as the fella coming behind you. And it's always, and you know, a huge amount of these accidents are, are rear ending. So we're using um, very advances with it. We built from the ground up. Uh, radar technologies is the backbone of the of what we've built. Um, and that, the radio, we're basically bouncing radio waves under, around, over the vehicles so that we're seeing multiple vehicles ahead. But we're using imaging radar, which is a very new phenomenon. So we're, we're seeing that in 3D. And then we know the velocity because radar data gives you very precise velocities. So as opposed to a human which can see a visual and a camera can see a visual element, a radar can see the visual, it can see it all in 3D and a, an imaging radar can. And then the fourth dimension that we're adding is the velocity data. And I suppose then the final bit we're adding, just because should we like complex problems, the final bit we're adding is we're adding AI to that then so that we can differentiate between, well, this is a vehicle, this is a motorcycle, this is a cyclist, this is a human. Uh, it's moving in this direction. It's likely to keep going in that direction, that type of thing. And we're doing that on the sensor, right on the edge, so that you're making those decisions an awful lot quicker and taking those reactions. Because it, it all comes down to time. Um, if we had all the time in the world, it, it's really almost like, you know, you see in, in movies when they, you know, the crash happens, they slow everything down beforehand. Well, that's really what we're doing. We're giving that sense of perspective, that ability to slow the entire scene down, predict what's going to happen and prevent an accident. And have you been speaking to car manufacturers about this particular technology? And if so, how is it going down with them? Yeah, I mean, we've pretty much spoken to all of them. I mean, obviously, we've had we've had COVID-19 going on and lockdowns all over the world. So R&D groups have been locked down, of course, because of that as well. But that's actually played into our favour because it means we can get a hold of the top people in all these companies that mightn't have been as easy previous to that. And I would look, we have worked in this industry for quite some time as well, the entire team. Um, but yeah, so we've been we've been talking to those guys, and and look, they, they they don't disagree. These people understand. They know the problem. Um, they, I mean, we we had one one of the biggest automotive manufacturers saying, you know, if what you're saying is true, that's the holy grail of of technology, um, and that's where you're seeing an awful lot of this. You know, will it be lidar? Will it be radar? Will it be cameras? The reality is, use them all. This is this is carnage. This is this is killing. Uh, you know, millions of people. Uh, it's costing economies trillions. You know, let's use whatever technologies are available and, and solve the problems. And to be fair, we've had a very, very warm reaction from the automotive manufacturers because they also know that autonomy is a long way off. And But they're also seeing, and I think especially with the post-COVID environment, the idea that we could have one pandemic that we shut the whole world down for, uh, rightly so, until we have a vaccine, but we have another pandemic continuing at the same time, and the technology exists, exists to vaccinate us, and we're not doing it. Sure, that, that'd be ludicrous. And Barry, in terms of proof of concept, what testing have you done on this particular software? Big part of it is we're, we're, we're you know, we're still quite young, so we're building the hardware from the ground up was the first part, and getting that out and testing it on the road. Um, so we've managed to do that and do a little bit more during lockdown, obviously adhering to all the guidelines and all that fun stuff. And now we're in the second iteration, so we're building the first generation of commercial product. And when that comes back, then the software work begins again. And it's it's a lot of data collection, a lot of data analytics. But that's where AI is is very nice as well, because it allows us 
uh, you know, artificial intelligence allows us to train the radar on a combination of both real data, but also synthetic data um, that you can build up in, in, a, in a computer. So it's that that's really the effort, but it, it's a huge undertaking, as you can imagine. I mean, it, it really is, and the scenarios and the amount of edge cases that we have to test and that. But the big thing for us is, we would we don't do any we're not looking to have a car out there driving by itself so there's never this danger scenario we're just augmenting the driver we're just making the driver better so we can do you know we can do an awful lot of that data collection and and that in a safe manner but we can also roll the systems out across vehicles and have them constantly updating so you know the system might do a certain amount like this is what i described earlier where you know it spots the car five cars ahead but it might be five, ten years before it starts doing more complex predictive analytics around, you know, what, what a, a human is going to do in terms of crossing the road and that. And it's only at that point that you start to turn on the machine more. And realistically, Barry, when can we expect to see this technology in our everyday cars? Like the, the reality, the automotive industry essentially works in three-year cycles, right? There's a design win and then that takes three years before that into a vehicle and then that runs then for seven years, right? So we'd be looking at getting our first design wins in, in kind of 2022 timeframe. So then you're talking 2025 before it's in the vehicles on the road. Barry, I presume this is another one of those ventures that you want to sell over the next number of years. On that basis, what's the next idea that you're going to be working on? Genuinely, I haven't looked beyond this. This is huge. Like the, the level of the problem is, is so big that you know this is a long way to go and 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 i do you know what i've never had a mission like it it's it's so interesting uh you know whatever about the size of the market and and the potential and all that but just that potential to have an impact um i think i've never never had a project like this so to be honest looking beyond us having time or or the inclination this is this is a big problem and and it's going to be a long-term problem and i hope i'm the guy to to drive it and Barry, are you aware of any other technology companies looking at this particular space, utilising similar technologies to yourself? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, there's some very interesting technology. Like if you take different elements, I suppose, rather than there's no one really doing exactly what we're doing in terms of the platform we're building and the way we're doing it. But there are people building different elements of it. And, you know, there are some really interesting uh, four-dimensional radar companies coming to the market now, uh, like the Varby Robotics in Israel. And there's some really, really interesting tech. Then you have the likes of Mobileye, the Intel company. Uh, so there's, there's a, lot of, a lot going on in the space. Um, it's the integration of all of them. And that, that, that's my ultimate dream is that we create the platform that brings all of these guys together. Back to your analogy around the iPhone moment, that really is who's going to build the app store? Who's going to build the place where Mobileye, Arby, everybody comes together to solve this pandemic? And I hope that's going to be us. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Barry Lund from Provisio. And I'd like to thank Barry for taking us behind the scenes of this potentially transformative technology. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio.